0: Decoding today, professional snowboarder Scotty James Hey guys, I'm Mathias Dandois and welcome back to the second episode of my podcast Decoding Athletes with Red Bull I'm a professional BMX rider and 8 times world champion I'm living in between Paris and New York City and travel over 200 days a year. I started riding BMX bike when I was 12 years old and been unable to go in a straight line since then. Now, I started this podcast because I want to find out what does it really take to become the best athlete possible and help other young talents to find their path. Last week, in the very first episode, I've talked to the trial and mountain bike legend Danny McCaskill. And I want to thank you all for the incredible feedback. I've had one from uh, my homie Colin McKay who thought uh, he knew Danny before he listened to the podcast but after he was done with it he realized that he didn't and uh, you know that meant the world to me. If you've missed the interview with Danny make sure to subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and every other podcast app. You can also watch the video version of the podcast and the vlog on my YouTube channel. We'll link it all below in the show notes. For today's episode I met with professional snowboarder scotty james i didn't know scotty personally before this podcast but i definitely heard of him before i mean he's only 25 and has already three olympic participation he has like five X games medal and won most of the event he entered in 2020. in this interview we did during his competition at the lax open in switzerland scotty is telling us how he was feeling when he was 15 years old right before he dropped in for his first run at his first Olympic participation. He tells us about his biggest fear and most importantly, in this podcast, he teaches us how to deal with stress and pressure. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, have fun listening, and welcome to Decoding Athletes. Scotty James. We made it to Lax, with a double A, in uh, Switzerland for the Lax. Open is the biggest snowboard competition in Europe and we have a really special guest. He literally just finished his run, pulled his last trick and straight into the podcast <laughs> yep. and he has to go back uh, to practice in a, in an hour and so stoked to have you here. Scotty James, welcome to
1: What Does It Take? Uh, thank you for having me. I'm uh, <laughs> stoked to be here and yeah, pretty much finished qualifiers today and Came, uh, straight down here and now we get to have a good chat. So. I'm oh pumped. yeah. Someone got first today. I did. I, Heck uh, yeah. very happy to come away qualifying first. And I absolutely love Lux. My favorite competition or one of my favorite competitions of the year. You won ha- last year. Huh? I won last year and, um, been coming here since I was about 13. And yeah, it's just an amazing memory and uh, lots, of, lots of good things for me to dwell on from the past.
0: It was absolutely amazing to watch you ride today. We literally just got off the gondola and they called your name and I was like, oh, this is sick. <laughs> and then, yeah, that was your second run too, your 92 point something. like score. Yeah,
1: so I think uh, after the first run, it was 90 and then um, was able to bump it up in the second run and do a 92.5 or something. So um yeah, very happy.
0: Did you need to do that to like bump it up again from like 90 to 92?
1: It's a rare case here, actually. I mean, you know, we obviously really enjoy riding the half pipe, but this one in particular, there's something about doing our harder tricks that's more enjoyable. The half pipe's very safe. It's a, you know, awesome pitch, good atmosphere, and it, it's quite enjoyable to keep pushing yourself. And as you would know, sometimes like it can be a little bit more not enjoyable to push your limits than it is to uh take a step back and kind of be okay with it so today i was took another step forward and we wanted to make it better than what i did so it's good
0: oh yeah and like put your confidence high for for tomorrow's final i personally always enjoy semi-finals and qualifications more than finals like i don't know i feel better on my bike what about you
1: yeah i think there's definitely a different element of competition everyone kind of They might put their foot down and want to win qualifying, which is kind of what I like to do because I like to come into the finals in first place. And then others just like to get through it. And, but the nerves are always hard because it's the most important part to actually then, you know, go on and be successful by the end of the weekend. So it's definitely mixed emotions and different nerves between qualifying and finals. So. Oh, yes.
0: Yeah. So to give you a little insights, Cody was riding a super pipe today. It's a massive
1: like pipe made out of snow.
0: How high are the walls of the,
1: the walls are 22 foot high. Uh, the half pipe top to bottom is about 200 meters, 180 meters, 200 meters. And then the pitch, uh, I think it's about 17 and a half, 18 degrees. So like down like that. And then, um, the walls are pretty high. So, oh, yeah. and then you go another, you know, hopefully 15 to 20 foot above that. So you're pretty up there. The consequences are high, but it's, it's you enjoyable. are
0: definitely up there today, dude. <laughs> it's funny. We, we had someone, uh, surfing, uh, walls of uh, water and you are like pretty much snowboarding walls of ice and yep. it's pretty crazy
1: i've seen that what the surfers do and i must admit i i think i'm happy with the half pipe walls that i'm <laughs> that i'm riding in comparison to i would say that's more like looking at the empire state building that is a wave i know it's
0: crazy it's seven yeah. stories the wave she up was seven <laughs> story yeah, torias. Yeah, crazy it was it was pretty crazy anyways like feeling good about the, the competitions tomorrow got a game plan
1: yeah feeling really good about the competition i got a run in mind that i want to achieve this week and uh, i'll be pushing my uh boundary a little bit further and uh yeah just looking forward to getting under the lights so this one's uh this competition's under the lights which should be Pretty cool.
0: Oh, yeah. That's going to be exciting. Can't wait to watch that. Let's just uh, rewind a little bit. How does someone from Australia ends up on a superpipe in fucking Switzerland? Yeah, <laughs> what, what happened there? I mean, when I told my girlfriend I was going to interview a snowboarder from Australia, she didn't even know that there were any mountains in Australia. <laughs> like, can you maybe just bring me back a little bit? Like, what brought you to snowboard?
1: Yeah, Australians, we are very few and far between when it comes to snow sport, but my family, we've always had a big passion in snow sports. My brother was a ski racer. Um, We always kind of grew up going up to the the local resorts in Australia, Friday to Sunday. I would finish school on Friday afternoon and then mum or my dad would drive me up to the mountain and I would spend all weekend, come back and go to school, so we were always... Uh, in the mountains and we went, your typical Australian family, which would, you'd usually find at the beach and, uh, maybe having a barbecue, <laughs> cooking up a few snags, as we would say. <laughs> we were, uh, actually in Canada overseas and freezing our asses off. So it was good. And, um, yeah, now it is. I mean, it's different for me. I'm the only Australian in my field right now. You know I'm up against countries and nations that have you know access to half pipes and slope style and all those things in their backyard, so it can be a little bit intimidating, I think even more so as a young kid, coming up against kids that have had the opportunity like that, but you know I always had an amazing supportive family that saw my vision and um they were very like minded in what I wanted to achieve and I just spent a lot of time away from home from a young age, and that's kind of how I got to where i am today but um yeah i absolutely love it wouldn't change anything for the world it's uh it's great
0: how important uh, is your family when you ride out there? like here at the event or are they
1: uh family isn't at this event but yeah they're very important uh fortunately i travel full-time with my brother sean he um is a huge influence on me he's in the room right now
0: hi sean sean is in the room right yeah, now yes. we are actually in some <laughs> kind of hotel room in lax i don't in know Dax.
1: So I better say nice things about him or not, <laughs> either so, way. But uh no, it's great to have him on the road. It's good to have that feeling of family there at my side. Yeah, I think mum and dad, you know, it's funny, like if I do well or I do bad, they're like the first people that I got to talk to, Um, you know, want them to say well done or, you know, give me a pat on the back and say it'll be <laughs> all right. So, yeah, they're, they're definitely a huge part of my success. That's the best feeling for sure
0: of have uh... I've read somewhere that your first snowball was not even a snowboard.
1: What is that story all about? It would be, uh, yeah, my first snowboard would be a- equivalent to my now skateboard. If I were to go down to the store and buy one, uh, is my dad went to Canada and he saw how much of a passion I had for snowboarding and I had a tendency to ski away from. My ski instructors, which is what my mom told me. So I was never very obedient when it came to ski school. So they thought, let's get him a snowboard. That'll put him on his ass for a little bit and he might uh, listen to his instructors. I believe that worked for a while uh, until I figured out snowboarding. And (laughs) By yourself? Yes. Well, (laughs) no, actually my dad helped me out and I was going to say it's probably thankful for him because he brought my first snowboard home from Canada. It was actually a doorstop Uh, at a snowboard store he offered them uh 10 canadian dollars and walked out with my first snowboard so i uh, still have it today so it's cool that's a pretty good deal for a snowboard it is yeah it's a bargain i wish i could still pay 10 bucks for a snowboard (laughs) nowadays yeah (laughs) that'd be amazing yeah and uh
0: and then everything like went up really quickly you won your first competition when you were like 13
1: years old So after I kind of really started to take snowboarding more seriously, I spent some time in Canada and I was exposed to the younger kids that had been growing up doing it and I seemed to be quite competitive with them. And I went away for my first time when I was 13 to internationally for about six months with my coach and his sister at the time. She was a professional snowboarder as well and I just basically followed along and we came here to Lark's for one of the events and I was able to win that one and then I won the junior US Open so I won a lot of the young uh, junior events and that was kind of the beginning of my journey yeah,
0: winning feels good huh? I started to play soccer when I was a kid and I was shit at it and BMX was the first thing I was good at and like winning was like that feeling that I wanted to get over and over is it the same for you that feeling of winning is important or
1: yeah I would say so for sure and I I can relate to that a lot I think a lot of us action sports people and maybe athletes in general is we might not necessarily always fit in that well into normal society things like school you know I was consider myself a fantastic student but if you asked other people they might say otherwise (laughs) but uh it is I mean snowboarding was like kind of my way of feeling like I was being successful or, you know, I felt like I was doing the right thing. So it was still even today, that feeling of winning never gets old and I absolutely love it and I crave it all the time. So it's great.
0: And now you got to represent Australia at major events like the Olympic. You are 25 25, years old and you already like rode three Olympic.
1: Yeah. So I've done three Olympics now. Did my first one when I was 15 years old in Vancouver.
0: Wait, wait. You did your first Olympic when you were 15? Yes. Like, for the listener, try to remember what the fuck were you doing when you were 15 years old. I don't <laughs> think you were writing Olympic hey, Games
1: Nobody. <laughs> Ninja was playing games and no one thought that was going to go anywhere. And look at him now. he's uh, He's been very successful playing his games. <laughs> Dude, so 15 years old, your first
0: Olympic in uh, Vancouver, if I'm right?
1: Yeah, it was uh, 15, 2010 in Vancouver. Uh, Yeah, amazing experience. My whole family was there. It was a huge, it was a very like testing uh, run up into that Olympics as an individual. You know, I was going through a lot of growing patterns. You know, I was hitting puberty. I started to care about what everyone thought about me. And being an athlete and a judged sport, as you would know, it's tough already to go up there and show people what you work so hard for. And I was doing that as well as, you know, not wanting to feel expose myself too much in front of you know maybe my friends at home or have people talk about me in the way I didn't want and that just reflected really badly on uh, I guess my snowboarding ability and once I outgrew that and yeah I was able to qualify for the Olympics and it was a big learning curve in my career which I still carry with me every day it was pretty tough but ended up making it so it's cool.
0: Do you remember uh, what you were feeling on top of that olympic event when you were 15 like what am i doing here
1: or more like excitement or what What was it honestly i can't really remember that well <laughs> <laughs> um i think in the moment i remember standing at the top uh, i crashed my first run i had a broken wrist because i broke it in practice and there was no way i wasn't going to compete so i had them put plaster on it and then i saw my family at the bottom they were in green and gold with go scotty signs i looked at them and then uh yeah, dropped in and I was able to get my run done. So very cool memory to reflect so
0: on. So sick. You were the, the youngest male athlete ever to ride the Olympic games, I think.
1: Yeah, it was something, some weird uh, statistic or stat like that. I don't know what it is, but I think I was the youngest male Olympian in like 50 years or That's something crazy. like that. So yeah, I think I still hold that title. So <laughs> I, still do. I still do. I don't know. There's a lot of young kids that are pretty damn good now, so I might not hold on to it for too much longer. But once upon a time, I did. I can say that.
0: Oh, yeah. And then there were Sochi and then uh, Pyeongchang. You got the bronze medal in Pyeongchang, which yeah. is amazing. Can you tell us... A little bit about Pyeongchang?
1: Yeah, Pyeongchang was amazing. Half-pipe was great. It was definitely a really good display of snowboarding, half-pipe, which was amazing for me. It was an opportunity for me to show what I work hard for to the Australian audience that were watching, and I've, I had a pretty good experience when I was there. Uh, obviously, getting the medal was uh, pretty special. I, was, I had some pretty insane competition to go up against uh, the guy that won and that other guy that came second. And most of all, it's just a really good display of half pipe snowboarding. And I got to show, you know, my country, Australia, as well as everyone around the world, what we work so hard for. And I think that was really cool for us to show that, as well as, um, you yeah, know, I was able to land the run that I wanted to do, which was great. And got to be the flag bearer as well for our Australian team in the opening ceremony. So oh, wow, that awesome. was insane. I was, I was actually probably more nervous about that than my event, if I'm honest.
0: Really? Yeah. Like, so, so what, what <laughs> happens? Do you have the whole, uh, Australian delegation behind you and you are like carrying the flag? And-
1: yes. Yeah, so I had the whole, uh, we'll walk into the opening ceremony, had the whole team behind me. Yeah. It was pretty special. I was nervous because I didn't want to twist the flag. So usually when you walk into the opening ceremony, there's a bit of a breeze or like, and you typically want to wave it as you were proud and being patriotic, I started to wave it and it twisted a little bit and then the, the wind was actually perfectly coming in my direction. So it just flapped perfectly. So that was nice. <laughs> Pretty
0: proud. Yeah. Put a, a nine club uh, run. Exactly. <laughs> with the
1: flight. Yep, exactly. So oh, this good. is
0: amazing. How's the, the Olympic uh, vibe? Because like, you know, skateboard is going to be in the olympic uh, bmx is going to be in the olympic surfing is going to be the, in the olympic i think the ioc is really looking for younger sports mm. uh, can you tell me a little bit what's the the vibe in the olympic game compared to a contest like today at the lax open what's the difference
1: yeah i mean the olympics is a huge i would say it's a franchise really i mean it's Got a lot of different sports. It's sells to a huge audience and it is. I mean, it's special for us, especially being Australian. It's kind of like one time in four years that I get to show Australia. We're trying to get better at it now, but what, what I do. And I think it's fantastic that the Olympics are taking on board the younger demographic sports, skateboarding, surfing. I mean, that's really the future of, uh, of action sport and you no, know, it was great to see snowboarding half pipe go into that. And yeah, I mean, a lot of people have mixed emotions about how the Olympics influences their sport, but I just try and keep a pretty positive head on my shoulders about the whole thing. I mean, it's just more exposure for us to show people what we do. I think it's great that they're Dude, doing Dude,
0: I share the same opinion. I feel like a lot of skaters have, have been really like hurt for skating to be in the Olympic. But I mean, if you are a really core skater of film's video, you can still be a core skater on film video while other skaters yeah, are going to be in the Olympic. For sure. and
1: I think that it is it's hard because, I mean, snowboarding definitely has that value as well. I mean, snowboarding, you know, didn't necessarily start from being in competitions and it evolved into that and then know, it evolved then to come into bigger competitions and the Olympics, and it's just growing. I mean, that's just how it is for me. That's just how I perceive it, but it doesn't stop anyone else. You know, we're all still snowboarding. We're all still out there doing exactly what we want to do and doing it in the way that we want to do it. I don't think it's the right thing necessarily to have an agenda towards a certain discipline or a sport. It's just like you do your, I'll do me, and we'll just – grow it together exactly I mean, definitely grow the
0: to... sports together and i mean you still ride back country or you still ride with your friend a bunch i i guess you're not every day on the pipe no
1: yeah for sure i mean uh, nowadays in the half pipe you got to be in there quite a bit to keep up with everyone but yeah it's you know i still last year we went out and filmed for a week and a half in japan for my web series with red bull you know i definitely try and get out in the elements and and still do all those things that I really enjoy. It's cool.
0: Yep. let's go to that a little bit. Today, to be a professional athlete, it takes more than being good at what you do. You need to do stuff outside of your sport just to grow as an athlete and as a brand. And you are really good at doing that on social media. And also you have your own web series online, All Day SJ. Yep. Watched a bunch of it. It's amazing. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about this side of uh, being a professional athlete?
1: Yeah, there's a lot more to being an athlete for sure that I'm even learning every single day than just going up and winning events. Uh, You know, social media obviously being one of them. Um, sharing with people my experiences and what I'm doing every day and, uh, you know, what I do to prepare for competitions when I'm getting time to myself, you know, what I like to do for hobbies and just showing the world those things. And sometimes even for me when I follow someone that I admire, You start to lose that like personality or that they're a normal person. You just see this amazing tennis players, for example. But, you know, I love seeing like Novak Djokovic or like Roger Federer. They're just normal people. They've found their, found a really good balance between their athletic life and their life away from sport. And I've, I've been able to do a pretty good job of that now, I think. And that's been reflecting pretty well on my results, but. Uh, yeah, we we filmed the full web series last year, seven episodes. Uh, it's called All Day SJ. It was really fun. I worked with my two brothers on this, Sean and Tim. Tim is uh, Quentin Peck, QP Sports Management. He's uh, mediocre to say the. He's very mediocre. S- yeah, very mediocre. Uh, sorry, Quentin, if you're watching, uh, but he's trying. Yeah. And then my other brother, Sean helped uh, write and direct and put it all together. So it was, it was really cool to work with everyone and Red Bull as well to put this kind of dream we had and bring it to life. And I think it was received really well. Oh, yeah. It's a really good uh, combination of, you know, my life as an athlete, what I'm doing to prepare coming to the competitions and then also a good spin with the comedic value, which, uh, quinton peck and and everyone at the office brings so uh it's quite cool and i think it's very relatable for a lot of athletes you know we definitely we've had bad management and we've had good management and you know this show kind of embodies that and shows everyone kind of what athletes go through i guess
0: have you ever had a, a bad uh, gig like a sponsor made you do or like an agent made you do i had quite a lot dude <laughs> I, I mean
1: you i would say osballs wasn't the best if you watch uh if you Oz watch was
0: not the best yeah no, if you sure. watch
1: uh episode one i had to do an underwear campaign for osballs that was pretty embarrassing <laughs> You would know uh, as me being a snow athlete you just about only see my hands my head and that's about as much as I ever show so I <laughs> had to pretty much strip off completely. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's crazy how social media breaks the boundaries between kids and pro athlete. When I grew up I had like I think I still had VHS over 30 <laughs> i see that vhs of uh, my favorite professional writers and i was looking at them like they were gods and i feel like nowadays kids they can send you a dm if they want they have yeah. like that direct access to it or like i could send a dm to beyonce tomorrow if i wanted to yeah she was she will not see it but i at least i i would send a DM <laughs> I, to, I wish to you that i wish you
1: the best <laughs> i have she replies. i wish you the best
0: <laughs> what what do you think about that that like closure of relation between kids and pros
1: it's absolutely amazing I mean I have the exact same kind of I guess past as you were saying I I remember so vividly I was at school in grade two and I wanted to we were doing like send a message to your heroes and I don't know whether my teachers got the right email or not I think they were just saying that because mine my guy was Tony Hawk (laughs) and I sent him an email and I actually got to catch up with him when we were filming for all day SJ and he said that it went to his spam. So he said, sorry, I didn't, didn't reply. But now, you know, you can people, kids or like how I looked up to people like Tony Hawk, you can literally go on your phone or on your iPad or whatever you've got and reach out. And I see kids messages and I try and respond as much as I can. And it is, I mean, it's bridged the gap now between what seems so distant to literally at a, touch of a button to talk so okay, it's, yeah, it's very so it's very special and um it's cool
0: definitely I saw some kids at an event the other day and it was like dude you you liked one of my comments like six months ago that made my my year and I was like dude it takes like five minutes of my day and I like everyone's comments and it's just you know it's going to make their day like so much better And it takes five minutes of your time yeah and makes you feel like kind of good about
1: yourself you know yeah it is it's really cool and I mean I've had Things like that happen to me where you just respond or you like some comment or you reply to a story, whatever it might be. And it's really cool to see the feedback and how excited they get. And sometimes it's easy to lose perspective of how much you are actually influencing people to maybe snowboard or they see you do something else in your life that they want to maybe aspire to do. And I have to be very aware of that because sometimes you can just be like, "Oh no one really cares what I'm doing anyway, mm. which is classic thing for athletes, I think sometimes to say, but we are really actually you know positively influencing people to go for what they want, especially us in action sports so, especially
0: in sports, it just yeah. make kids do stuff, and when you like or reply to a comment, you probably you might have changed that kid's life or like whole perspective on snowboarding or yeah. whatever yeah, and, it's cool. uh, do you think there is a There are some kids that want to ride snowboard in Australia now?
1: I sure hope so. (laughs) What
0: about that super pipe in Australia?
1: Yeah, we're uh, still working on the super pipe in Australia. It's a mission and a goal of mine to get a super pipe in Australia. It's an absolute dream. That would be a dream come true. I think for me, you know, ever since I was 13 or even younger than that, I've been away from home. I was separated from school and my friends and stuff, and I'm very grateful for everything and my journeys that I've had, but there's definitely an element that, you know, I still now miss home. There's parts of it that I miss, and and that's just really been because I haven't been able to train at home. And, a bigger part of my success or when i go up and ride and my purpose now is that i want to bring a half halfpipe to australia and i want to expose the australians uh, educate people on what i do and what their kids can potentially do so there's more to you know just winning it's like i'm winning because i want to do that so that's like a big thing for me and we're more than capable of doing it um we've done the research we've got all the things in place to make it happen we just got to find a place or a mountain that wants to commit to making it happen and make my dreams a reality as well as a lot of young australian kids that are very talented and can go a long way in snowboarding so
0: the level is going to go so high uh, and probably in 10 years there's going to be a new Scotty james out of australia and that's going to serve the country i feel like you give a lot to australia and uh like representing Australia a lot. But Australia, I give it back to you too, being the flag bearer and you are like Australian male athlete of the year in 2019 too. Is Australia like something really important for you that makes you proud? Or?
1: I think, yeah, for sure. I'm proud of where I come from, definitely. I love everywhere I go. I love being here in Switzerland. Switzerland's always great to me. The people here are awesome. Uh, I love being in America. I love going to Japan and China and traveling the world yeah, probably more sentimental to me that I just, I think I might just want to show people in Australia by no fault of their own. They're just not very educated on what I do. And and also what a lot of the other winter athletes do in general doesn't have to be about half pipe at all. It's more, you know, we leave our families in October and we don't come home until April the following year because we're going away and we're working hard and we're dedicating ourselves to our sport that not necessarily every australian can do because it is you know it's it's a big commitment and i understand i respect that it's just i think it's just showing people what we do that's like my biggest thing about with australia for sure
0: no it seems like you care a lot about the country and it's nice you did uh, i think you did the fundraiser for the for the massive uh, fire, that yeah, the fires
1: fires have been pretty devastating at home, and um yeah, I started a, a GoFundMe account and had a goal of fifty thousand to raise and distribute between a lot of the fire service uh, in New South Wales and Victoria and anywhere else had been affected, and of course as well for our wildlife It's been pretty crazy. I think they expected over a billion animals to have passed now. It's wiped out a huge range of, you know, cherished kind of forests. So it's been quite devastating. But, you know, sitting here in Switzerland, it's tough to know how to give back. And I started that, and it's been amazing. We're up to, I think... Thirty-four thousand, which 34, is insane 000? yeah and I, I set the goal till the end of the season because i'm going to donate a percentage of my prize money winnings for the rest of the season and wow. we've already kind of halfway there so i think we're gonna have to raise up the money because i'm definitely going to donate some more
0: this is amazing we're gonna definitely put the link of that uh go me in the show notes of that podcast so awesome. if you want to donate to uh australia and i don't know just uh, even a little bit helps. I don't know, even 10 bucks. hundred percent.
1: Yeah, it's been amazing to see the awesome support from around the world and everyone's jumped on board and, you know, $5, $10, it doesn't matter. It's been awesome to see people have an impact on all those families that have been affected.
0: Exactly. So just go make a difference and, and donate. The link to the, the donation is in the show notes. Jumping uh, to uh, something a bit different... What is uh Scotty James doing outside of snowboarding? you were uh, telling me a bit about photography right before we started the podcast, so we can maybe talk a bit about that because i have my have my I was showing off with my leica here and yeah. uh, you were like, "Oh what is that?" and people usually don't know what is that and yeah yeah you were like, I'm what a, is a leica?
1: I love film photography. Uh, my dad was a sign writer and graphic designer, and my brother Sean is a videographer, so it's kind of in my in my genes to at least appreciate cameras and art creative things to a degree and I just fell in love with film photography I think more just because it's there's more to a photo sometimes I feel like than just whipping your phone out and snapping it and it's it's just like it's there whereas when you shoot with film every shot's a bit more meaningful it's got a bit more thought out and especially with likers, i mean they're about as manual as they come so you get to learn about exposure and all those things and yeah i just really enjoy it and i've got a good collection now actually almost too many i'm kind of like collecting dust on a lot of them but i just got a liker mp and i got this a, is a very fan.
0: good camera the Leica yes MP. it's
1: uh yeah it is it's uh it's great That's but it's sick. it's an investment for sure it's something i'm gonna have forever what else and, do you uh, have? It was actually a christmas present from my girlfriend so i should give mm. her cre- credit yeah. she's a keeper That yeah one. she is <laughs> she uh she got me my dream uh camera and i got a Hasselblad 2000 fcw um bunch of different cannons yeah so i just i just like it
0: man it's, it's i feel like We live, especially our generation, we live in an era where everything goes so fast and takes millions of photos on our phones Mm. every day and just like doing, I don't know, spend too much time on our phones and just see so many people. And I feel like for me, film photography is a moment where I can just sit back and kind of think about what I want to shoot and find the angle and find the aperture and exposure and then have the right photo and wait. A couple of months before you get your film developed and it's something that i don't know it's kind of my uh, meditation
1: yeah it is it's uh nowadays in our generation like you said it's about instant gratification it's about taking a photo and post it post <laughs> bust it. and there's <laughs> not really me. much you know there's not much thought that goes into it when i do something like that whereas when you shooting film for example you know even for it reflects to my snowboarding because we live in a world now that's inside our phones and we don't look up sometimes. And when I have my camera, I can sit there and I can actually look around and whether I'm at a cafe and you actually start to take in stuff because maybe you want to take a photo or you don't, but you should live in the real world a bit more and then you get to see over time. You know, I think the coolest thing is I've taken photos on my film cameras and a year later, I didn't even know that I hadn't, taken the film out of the camera and i've just can, kept shooting so there'll be a photo in there from 12 months ago and then ones that i'd taken like a couple of days ago Whoa. and it's like oh i do i remember that memory but you d- like you don't i don't know it's really cool i like film
0: no definitely just how, how excited do you get when you you get your film back yeah it's dude it's like for me it's christmas you know you yeah. you get the file and then like it's yeah. it's so crazy No, yeah, film it's, photography it's is, awesome and uh, does it make you a better snowboarder, you think, to have like hobbies outside of snowboarding?
1: I think for sure, 100%. You know, I like surfing, uh, not a great skateboarder. I try though. And I like doing a lot of just stuff at home with my friends, just simple things, catching up with everyone. But you definitely can't lose touch with normality and things that, you know, I like to do every day. Because sometimes with the traveling and the success and the things that come along with it, it can start to become a little bit of a blur, and you lose perspective of what actually matters so
0: overwhelming huh sometimes
1: yes, yes exactly right, and that's no, good
0: that's oh, so why it's super important to have i think uh, a solid group of people like your brother and your filmer that that are here to like for you i remember when i was like i don't know like 20 and started to win contest you kind of i had a big head because I was like, i'm in the shit i'm 20 i'm winning big contest head. i'm still i'm still a big head. Head. it's massive i feel like it really helps to have like people to calm you calm you down sometimes it does like, for Shoot. sure <laughs>
1: you know i got my brothers i'm i'm the youngest of four mm. Only so brothers if or? i start to show the slightest little bit of ego it is squashed <laughs> straight away keep me keep me grounded so no it's good it's brother only or you have sisters I've got uh, two elder brothers and an elder sister nice yeah we're all two years apart all snowboarding or skiing Uh, no my brother Tim is a skier unfortunately but (laughs) (laughs) that's that's his choice isn't it we just we just talked about letting everyone do what they want to do and tim you can do what you want to do i won't (laughs) hold it against you but uh no we're all we all like skiing and snowboarding it's fun it's a a cool element of snowboarding where it's my job and my profession and i love it but then there's also uh, the ability to still go out early mornings with my dad and my mom and go and just enjoy the mountains and have a smile and a laugh so you know, it's, it's quite unique to be able to do that as a profession and do it with your family. It's cool. For sure.
0: What do you uh, think your parents think about all that? The, the Scotty James of like the outside world,
1: you know? Uh, my parents are very protective. So I'm sure I know for a fact that my mother always messages Sean because if she messages me and asks what I'm doing, I'll probably be very blunt and be like. <laughs> We're in Switzerland, uh, whatever, <laughs> and then Sean has to give a live update of uh, everything that's happening. <laughs> but my parents, uh they're good. They're very understanding. They know how passionate I am about snowboarding and how competitive and how much I love the whole thing. So they just let me do my let my do my work and yeah. That's sick.
0: What do you think you would say to younger uh, Scotty when he was like? 13 years old at his first competition?
1: Youngest, Gotti, 13. I feel like I've kind of always, like, been pretty true to myself. I wore some, like, fake bling diamond shoes when I was younger. I was pretty out there kid, like, wore cow pants. Like, I had my dad go to the fabric store with me, and we made basically a set of snowboarding pants because I wanted to stand out. <laughs> they were cow pants, like, they were, like, obviously Kate, fake cow and then i had like a bright pink pear bright green i had cheetah ones so i was very out there i would say i would say uh to 13 year old scotty i would be like 13 year old scotty tell 25 year old scotty to do more on what he's doing than he's doing now
0: damn that's the first time I'm I'm hearing that Yeah, that was a really great answer I, I need a photo of young Scotty with these like cow pants
1: <laughs> you yep. gotta send me that yeah it was pretty obnoxious but I loved it <laughs> yeah but, oh, that's uh, amazing I think more, more so just because we talk about being on our phones and everything and we can be so dictated by what we see and we become insecure and worried about what people think of us and why I think about that is because when I was 13, I hope I could say this, but I didn't give a shit what people thought. I just went out, I loved snowboarding, I did what I wanted to do, and that was my way of me being me. And that's like very important now, I think, that people sometimes don't unfortunately do nowadays.
0: Mm-hmm. Just like, uh, again, like that instant uh, gratification that can turn into instant Bummer, you know, and people yes. like feel bad about themselves. Yeah. So people just like get off your phone a little bit, go out there and just don't give a shit a little more. And, be- <laughs>
1: and be, and be you. I think, exactly. uh, if we're all the same, it's a bloody boring world. So definitely do something for yourself.
0: That would be the advice to give to a kid that want to stand out or that, that wants to become a professional writer.
1: A hundred percent. You are, you gotta, we, we express ourselves by our style, how we go about it. And, uh, of course, just. Do you, but be nice, grateful, and um, yeah, don't take things for granted.
0: Oh, yeah. This is great, dude. A few more minutes because we got to get you on that gondola for like that tomorrow's uh, yeah. practice. What's the most important competition of the year for you? Is X Games a big deal for you? Or...
1: Yeah, I would say X Games is definitely a big one for us. Uh, Lark's opens huge. US Open, due Tour. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of pretty big events and for me i just do really well when i approach everyone with the same mentality i get to go up and do what i love to do and compete so yeah but x games definitely is up there
0: sick i'm gonna make sure i'm i'm, I'm checking that out do you uh, sounds good. already know uh the mood you're gonna be in tomorrow in the at the competition i know like I exactly know how I'm going to feel before a final and I'm, I'm trying to kind of project myself so I'm not surprised when I'm uh, out there. What's your technique to like deal with stress?
1: Technique to deal with stress, honestly, I try and separate myself a lot from what I'm doing tomorrow. Like I, I had a great day today and I can reflect on that and then, you know, I wake up tomorrow and it's a whole new day. It's about living right now in this moment and that's very important because we can't control what happens tomorrow. And I think that is key to then obviously being able to control tomorrow because you're not living in the future. I would just pretty much go on with my day. I've got another practice tonight actually under the lights and yeah, just go up and do what I love to do. And I work so hard for, I've dedicated a lot of my time and um, as well as the rest of my team, so it's an opportunity for us to show the world what we what we do again. So it's great,
0: amazing, dude. Uh, you sure looked uh really like confident and looked amazing on the pipe today. So I wish you the the best of luck for your event tomorrow. Uh, by the time the podcast is gonna be released, we're gonna know if you did well or not. But I really wish you the best and uh, best of luck for the remaining of the competition. You're the fucking man.
1: Hell yeah, man! Thank you. Cheers, guys.
0: Hey, guys, before you leave, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. My three personal takes away from Scotty are to never lose perspective of what actually matters, that you don't have to give a damn about what people think of you, and that Scotty's film camera helps him reconnect with the real world. Let me know what's your personal take from the interview. Share it with the hashtag Decoding Athletes on Instagram, and don't forget to tag me. If you want to see my performance on the Snowboard in Lax, go watch the vlog on my YouTube channel. We'll link it in the show notes. Tune in next time when I meet with rally driver Katie Munnings. Katie is an exceptional driver from the UK. In the podcast, she tells us about the relationship she has with her family, how expensive it is to be a professional rally driver, and the challenges being a woman in this sport.
1: I need that adrenaline at this point in my life. But for me, it's always been thinking, how far can you go? I think that's what makes the champions. And we ended up hitting and smashing into the side of someone's house. And we actually broke through their wall into their living room. You heard an onboard scream, and it was from the woman inside the house. It wasn't from
0: us. The next episode with Katie will be dropped next week, Wednesdays, at 6pm CET. Don't miss that out. And subscribe to podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app. It's been so much fun starting this journey as a podcaster. And that's just the beginning. See you guys soon for the next episode. Bye. Decoding Athletes with Matthias Dondois is a production of Maniac Studios for Red Bull Media House.